Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And we are part of a machine. Um, I think pretty much most, unless you happen to be like that, that's sort of, uh, that iconic, like, guy living out in the middle of the, the desert in a shack or, you know, or, you know, Georgia O'Keefe. Uh, mm-hmm. Shutting herself away. Off the grid. Yeah, living off the grid and not having any contact with people. Unless you're doing that kind of life, you're probably part of of the machine or a machine. That's right. Yeah, like I got up this morning, got got into Marta. Suddenly, I'm in the I'm in the crowd with the with the with the other commuters, and I'm instantly part of something that is kind of like a big animal, like a big super organism, a big cranky. uh kind of stinky superorganism that crams itself into trains and delivers itself to the front door of its respective workplaces right and where then, it becomes part of another super exactly organism. yeah i mean yeah just like us how stuff works discovery communications it's a giant thing and we're all just like parts of it we're part of the hive yeah and we're not i'm not again not saying that as a uh is any kind of a slam on uh on demand or on uh, corporate America or any, anything like that. Because it's, as the more we look, it's like no matter where you are, uh, and again, unless you're living in the desert in that, in that shack or, or, uh, you know, or, or up in uh, an isolated apartment uh, on the Upper East Side with the tinfoil over all the windows, you're a part of some sort of, uh, of social animal. Right. You're part of a community. We call it a community, right? Yeah. Now, if bees do it, we call it a swarm. Right. If, if ants do it, we call it, uh, I guess that's a swarm too or an army. At any rate. Yeah. And uh, when, when birds do it and they do it in mass mm-hmm. in, in thousands and thousands of birds and they undulate over the uh, the horizon, we just call that scary. Yeah. Because we're like, what is that? It looks like a funnel cloud of birds coming at us. And, and why is it doing that? And beady eyes. Right. Yeah. My wife finds the um, the, the, the tongues terrifying on birds, like they're black huh. tongues. She's Anytime we go to uh, uh, our Thomas, which is a restaurant here in Atlanta that yeah. has birds in cages outside. She's always a little freaked out by like, the toucans. So. Did you know that that guy started the Popeye's chain? And, Did he? Yeah, and R. Thomas is sort of his uh, way of giving back to the community in terms of healthy food and birds. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But no, but yes, birds, super swarms, super organisms happen every single day. And uh, one of the reasons they're they're kind of uh, they can often be unnerving is that it's it gets down to the basic idea that an ant, a single ant, is nothing. I can outsmart an ant. Most people can't. Sure. Uh, everybody can can outsmart an and ant. You can take a magnifying glass to it and burn it too. Exactly. If, if you were a three year old who was a single bird, like you that. can take that on with a tennis racket. Um, if it's bees, one bee is not an issue. But when they swarm. A, you're dealing with a large mass of things, but also you're dealing with something. You begin, you're suddenly dealing with something that has um, an, an emergent intelligence, right? That that has a um, that, that has it's it basically is, is a macro intelligence that arises from local interactions. Okay, all right. It's in, in not merely simple interactions, uh, you know, that are uh, necessary to, to coordinate movement, uh, but a group intelligence that learns, that achieves goals. And, and it engages in an overall self-preservation. Okay. And that's what I think is so cool about superorganisms. Is yeah. that, like you said, on on their own as individuals, eh, they're a little worthless, right, in, yeah. the, in the insect uh, community. But together they can accomplish incredible things. And it's still somewhat of a mystery to scientists. I mean, they've begun to figure out why birds in swarms of thousands can 
uh, turn themselves into these crazy vortex, um, circular shapes mm-hmm. and, and not run into each other or drop dead and collision, you know? Yeah. Or, or like fish that, uh, that sort that get into a swarm and it kind of looks like a single thing, like a single larger sea creature. Yeah. Which is so cool. If you've mm-hmm. never seen footage on that before, it's really worth checking out. Um, but, there, but again, it's pointing to that sort of intelligence, which is far superior than any individual one. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in Steve Johnson's book, uh, Emergence, which deals with this and it's, uh, generally regarded as a really good, uh, introduction to, to all this, uh, he, uh, uh, he lays out like a few, uh, necessary items, uh, on the checklist for emergence intelligence. Okay. Uh, one of them is a critical mass of participation. So you need a, like a minimum number of participants in a social group. For like, like, like if, if I was on Marta and it was like three dudes, uh, there's not really going to be much of a, it's, it's kind of like a mob, you know, like, like if three guys are standing outside yeah. uh, of a, of a business protesting, people aren't going to say there's a mob out there. There's no telling what it'll do. No, it's just like <laughs> Joe, Charlie and uh, Mary. And uh, you can sort of deal with them on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's not going to be that, that thing that takes over. Um, well, and even in riots, right? There seems to be some sort of self-organizing aspect to it. Right. Yeah. There's been a there's been some really interesting stuff uh, coming out recently talking about the uh, at the time of this recording, mm-hmm. uh, current protests uh, in Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. You, you know, because it gets down to like you can't with a with a group like this, you can't say, oh, there's the leader. No, there are right. many leaders there that are that have sort of organizing roles in it. But you can't. That's I mean, that's why the mob is such a scary prospect to uh, any. Um, seat of, of power mm-hmm. because what does it want? You can't, it, it's, it's, you're dealing with it with an intelligence that can't be boiled down to a single individual. Right, right. That's right. You can't appease that one single individual. Right. And yet there's an intelligence that comes from that and there are demands that come from that. Yeah. Like, uh, like I, I would like to just to think back to, um, like a, a corporation, like, like any kind of corporation or big business, uh, like what motivates everyone? Like the lowly creative type may just want to make something they can feel proud of. Mm-hmm. The, um, the sales rep might be motivated by, you know, interdepartment competition. You know, mm-hmm. who can get the, the biggest sale? Who's going to be the top seller? Um, who's going to get yelled out by Alec Baldwin? Uh, <laughs> the accountant may just have eyes on, you know, the bonus. Uh, and the CEO is, you know, might just be chasing the American dream of filling his solid gold submarine with Brazilian supermodels and circus pandas. You Why know, not? Yeah, that's. It's 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 within their grasp. That's right. So so yeah, but when you talk about the corporation as a whole, like what does it want? What uh, you know, it, you're dealing with a a, a different set of of of, of goals. And yeah, and the parallels are there, right? I mean, because there's mm-hmm. a certain kind of intelligence that that happens when you put a group of people together. I mean, it, you come up with solutions mm-hmm. that you might not have come up with yourself, mm-hmm. or that people collaborate on, and all of a sudden you've you've created a thing. Yeah. Right. Now, other uh, items on Steve Johnson's list, a local focus, even if the uh, the effects are more widespread. Mm-hmm. So like the local focus of of a corporation might be just to, you know, it may just boil down to making money. Right. Or, you know, or getting, uh, you know, or if it's uh, like a nonprofit, it might be to, you know, uh, to bring about a certain social change or to get certain uh, legislature passed. In the, um, in the event of a protest, it may be to oust a, a particular individual or to, uh, or to oppose a particular unpopular um, uh, law or mm-hmm. ruling. Um, then uh, another uh, uh, item on this list is random interactions between groups and individuals outside. Uh, so this is necessary for a learning process. You know, it's uh, it's like the mob pushing. It's like you know any kind of uh, 
scene where it's like the man with his police and his uh, and his riot shields on one side, and it's the protesters on the right. other. And there's like a there's kind of a push. There's a testing of the of the two sides as as the 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 mob is is learning. It's it's right. seeing what it can it can get away with, what it can do. Uh huh. Yeah, learning what his boundaries are. Right. And um, you know, there's some there's so many people on the lookout and they're all gathering data and pooling it in one way or another, right? right. Which is the same thing if you look at in some with some insects, with some species, that they're all come like ants, for instance. Mm-hmm. They're communicating with pheromones, right? Right. And they're basically they're saying, Okay, hey, I'm gonna leave this chemical trail to this food source that I just found. And then all of a sudden you've got uh one ant following that Five ants, ten ants, a thousand ants, and that's how you're getting the sort of group movement toward that food source, or the barometric pressure drops, for instance, mm-hmm. and the ants start building these little sand turrets to protect themselves from what they think may be rain pretty soon. So again, it's the, that collective information and sharing of it, and this uh, self-directing movement that comes out of it that's so fascinating. Yeah, with ants, it's important to note, and just to remind everybody, there there are like twelve thousand uh, known ant species. Yeah, and they've been ruling the earth for about one hundred and forty million years, and uh, and while an ant colony or a, or a, or even like a beehive will have a queen, these are not rulers. Like the queen plays an important reproductive role, right? In a, in a in a hive or a colony. But they're not calling the shots. They're no, not, she's just a cog in the wheel. Right. Yeah. We we label them a queen, and that comes with certain certain uh, anthropomorphic uh, baggage. Right. Uh, but just leave that baggage behind because the, the queen is just there to to pump out more uh, more bees or ants. Right. That we're just that they she's just useful her for her ovaries really to right. boil it down to that. And that's true of all these species, right? These mm-hmm. insect species that that show emergence. Yeah. But there's no one leader. There's no boss. Yeah. She's not saying. Hey, I've got an idea how to solve this problem about food foraging. No, it's 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 emerging from the uh, the the interactions of the group mm-hmm. as it pushes against outside stimuli and what the group needs. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting study from uh, Stanford University's Deborah Gordon, uh, and uh, and this uh, dealt with uh, with uh, with particularly with forager ants and, and figuring the ant colony figuring out how many foragers it needs to send out. Okay, um, and they found that. Uh, it came down to interactions between foragers and patrollers. So when a forager has contact with a patroller, mm-hmm. who's been out, you know, looking around, um, they, they end up passing on these, uh, these pheromones. Uh, but a forager needs several contacts, uh, no more than like 10 seconds apart before it'll go out. So there has to be like, it's, it's like a very simple, like, you know, uh, uh, here, here are the patrollers coming in, patrollers coming in. And once it like counts off enough pheromones within a certain amount of time, okay. then it knows, oh, I need to go out and, and collect. Okay, so it's sort of like, again, it's that mass movement, right? Right. So once it starts to accumulate all that data from 10 of those, then mm-hmm. it says, okay, that's the direction I need to go in. Yeah, they they concluded that foragers use the rate of their encounters with patrollers to tell if it's safe to go out. Okay. So, you know, in case there's like an anteater out there just gobbling up everything, they won't just <laughs> blindly march out into the, the maw, you know? There's something altruistic about that, it seems. Yeah. You know, again, that, that's anthropomorphizing this, but mm-hmm. it does seem like, you know, okay, well, I've, I've got your back here or, you know, or I, I may even die for the cause as I'm patrolling. Yeah. And it's, uh, and that was so romanticized. <laughs> it was. I can't help it. It's hard not to get romantic about it. Yeah. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow.
Another really interesting uh, part of all this is that the, but we've been able to to look at some of these systems and learn from them yeah. and apply them to uh, to to our own human systems, our own uh, uh, transportation or delivery uh, uh, systems, such as uh, there's an industrial medical gas guru by the name of uh, Air Liquid. And uh, they worked with an AI form, firm to develop a computer model based on algorithms that were inspired by the foraging behavior of uh, Argentine ants. Okay. And this is, a, again, the species that we're talking about that deposits chemical pheromones mm-hmm. um, and, and uses that to dictate, you know, how much, how many uh, foragers need to go out to uh, get the food. So Air Liquid is able to uh, combine the ant, impro- the ant approach with other artificial intelligence techniques, throw in data about like the weather, customer mm-hmm. demand and all, and they use that to figure out how much, uh, how much of their product they need to actually ship out. Okay. And this is based on the algorithms right. that they observed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the- based an algorithm on the, on the way the ants are handling their problem and they're able to come up with a way to, to handle their, uh, their, uh, distributing needs. Okay. Um, and you've heard of Boyd technology before too, which is sort of similar in that, um, Boyd. Like, Boyd. This is B-O-I-D? B-O-I-D, which I guess is sort of a Boyd pronunciation of bird, right? Yeah. And <laughs> this is Craig Reynolds who created um, an artificial life program. And this is a distributed behavioral model to simulate the motion of a flock of birds on a computer. So same thing, right. basically. And, and now this base goes back to the the really central human need to make believable bat swarms in the movie Batman <laughs> Returns, yes, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, actually, you're right. I mean, that that wasn't why he actually created this uh, technology, but that's one of the uses for it was uh, CGI is to, to simulate something that looked realistic in terms mm-hmm. of a flock of, of bats. Um, but what he observed is that uh, each Boyd is implemented as an agent and moves according to its own understanding of the changing environment. So think about bird formations like V formations. Um there are four rules with this. Okay. Uh, first, a Boyd must move away from other Boyds. They're too close, <laughs> duh, because uh, you don't want to collide. Second, they have to fly in a general direction that the flock is moving. Okay. Third, they need to minimize their exposure to flock's exterior by moving toward the perceived center, which is interesting if you think about that V formation. Uh, I like how your use of Boyd has made you pronounce toward more. Uh, toward. Yeah. Of course. You that's, know. that's why he came up with this name. He's like, this is totally going to screw with podcasters <laughs> in the future. I'm just, I'm taking the spirit of it, you know, <laughs> I'm running with it. Um, and then fourth, a Boyd should move laterally away from any Boyd that blocks its view. So that, I mean, that's very simple, right? Taking those four simple rules and creating, um, this, this algorithm, um, that has also been used by Southwest Airlines. Uh, they've got a routing system that in which the pilots try to find the best airport gate based on the group information coming in. So, again, you've got the group intelligence aspect of it. Yeah, it's kind of like ants figuring out which uh, entry to the uh, colony to take when returning home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's a little bit scary with, with uh, you know, with a plane just because you think, oh, okay, I'm relying on the group intelligence for this. But over and over again, there's so many different studies and counting jelly beans, you know, yeah, guessing ju- the weight of something. Yeah, yeah, like the, the ch- just the basic, like, second, third grade activity of getting all the kids to, to guess the jelly bean number. And then right. everybody comes up with these totals. And some kids maybe way out. Some kids don't know what numbers are. And they're, like, you know, drawing a cat on their, <laughs> right. their ballot. But but when you put them all together and you, you get an, you know, get an average, you can estimate estimate. It, more or less exactly how many there are in there. The mean of, right. The mm-hmm. mean of that, that group estimate is always 
closer or the closest to what it actually is, which is astounding. The main key here is that you want a diverse members, you want independent-minded members, yeah. and you want a mechanism of voting or averaging to figure out how it works. Right. Okay. You, know? you don't want like 50 engineers all in the same room, right? I mean, you actually want it to be a diverse right. population of people. Um I mean, you could have 50 engineers in, in a room, but the point is, is that it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You can have people from all social, uh, all sort of socioeconomic strata, um, giving their information and the mean will always be, uh, more accurate. It's kind of like the whole, uh, how many, uh, blank does it take to fill in a light bulb, you know? Cause I mean, the, it's always a joke about like how many, you know, how many hipsters, how many, uh, mechanics, how many, you know, blondes or whatever. Um, you know, does it take? And it, it's kind of, the message is kind of if you get all, if you don't have a diverse group, they're not going to be able to fulfill even a simple task to the best of their ability. Right. But if it were a priest, a rabbi, <laughs> and uh, whatever the third one is, then uh, hey, they would an engineer, uh, an engineer, then they'd have that light screwed in in no time. That's right. Yeah. It takes a village, I, I guess, is the point of whole emergence here. Um, I mean, it really is. It's like it's such a simple construct, but it really has changed the way that we think about intelligence mm-hmm. and the, the way that we operate in our own society and uh, the sort of meaning that we ascribe to CEOs or kings or presidents. Um, if we all are essentially self-organizing uh, it, like ants, then, and we don't necessarily need a leader. Mm-hmm. And of course we need it like psychologically, right? Um, we're still going to be okay because we're going to still come out in theory, um, with something that makes sense for our community, right? Yeah. Because we're going to be acting in our best interests. There's, um, along those, those lines and kind of taking into a, a slightly more troublesome territory. Um, there's a, the guy, by, a guy by the name of John Robb. He wrote a book called uh, Brave New War. And he has a really cool blog called Global Gorillas. And uh, he, he made an interesting point where um, he pointed to the insurgency in Iraq, in Iraq, as a kind of emergence intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, quote, uh, he talked about it as, quote, a complex series of local interactions that leads to shifts uh, in its behavior that reflect a complex learning goal uh, attainment and self-preservation despite a lack of a leadership hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he boils this down then to three like key facts uh, about the insurgency in Iraq. That, uh, one, the insurgency will continue to improve over time. Two, the breakout is possible. And three, that it, it is impossible to discern the, the motives of this movement. So uh, it, I found that interesting commentary, you know, because it's, it, mm-hmm. it's the idea that you're not, you're not fighting a single individual. As much as as everyone like to you know believe, it's like all right, this this guy, let's find him, uh, kill him, or, or, or you know overthrow him, and, right. it's, and it's done. But no, you're dealing with a. I mean, a you're dealing with a, a far more complicated uh, social and political uh, situation. But also you're you're dealing with a, a movement that doesn't uh, doesn't have a, a leader. That's uh, it's you're dealing with an emergence intelligence, and again, it's it, how do you figure out what that wants? And is the the second point, the breakout, is that the aspect of almost like with a bird flock where it all of a sudden it changes direction, and that yeah. you know you maybe have so. the movement of several birds, and then that prompts um, the other ones to sort of follow domino like. Yeah, or like with um, you know sometimes you'll have like whales that'll wash up on the beach because one has kind of like uh, had a had gone, has gone haywire, mm-hmm. and uh, and the others just follow. Yeah, yeah. Um, this technology is also being used with robots, of course, right? Right. Yeah. Artificial intelligence. Um, 
it's based on the collective behavior, again, of decentralized, self-organized systems. Just to throw that out there again. And again, it's identifying best solutions and communicating them. So they're, they're hoping to have this same sort of behavior in robots. Um, and how it could be applied is that you could use something called morphogenesis, uh, morphogenesis, uh, to create a group of robots that can reconfigure and undertake different functions. For instance, you could have a group of 10 robots that may communicate among each other by emitting different color lights. And that light, if say, if it's green and blue, could mean that the other robots need to attach to each other mm-hmm. and create some sort of formation. And the formation could be to uh, traverse some sort of gap in the landscape, right. if that's what the robots were doing. Or to become Voltron. Or to become, yeah. exactly, become, stack up on each other. Um, or it could be used to form a, a shovel shape to push a heavy object. So they're trying to use, again, that swarm technology there. But more interestingly, I think that um, in Georgia, at Georgia Tech, of course, where they're doing tons of crazy stuff with robots and creating robot armies, um, they've developed palm-sized robots to use in combat zones. And they're smart enough to go off on their own and alert you when they find something. So they're trying to figure out how best to have these bots interact with each other. And uh, right now it's looking like the research is favoring a decentralized approach in which the individual robots would share information among their companions to form a more complete picture. So, of course, huh. what are we talking about here? Emergence tel- intelligence, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here you go again. Robots. Emergence intelligence intelligence. Emergence intelligence military intelligence, I guess. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anytime we talk about robots, which I know we've been doing a lot lately, we, we sort of get a little bit depressed because we think, oh, God, they're, they're being programmed to destroy us again or destroy someone or do something. But I think that um, the really cool thing about emergence is that it could actually lead to a better understanding uh, of our own human nature. Right. right. If we apply that sort of intelligence to ourselves and I am not saying that we don't need presidents, CEOs, or power structures or hierarchy in place. Yeah, because without the CEO, the people who make the golden submarines are not going to make a living. It's, right? it's very important. Yeah, I mean the the economy will go down. It'll be a, it'll be a bad thing. Um, but I think that it's interesting to think that we've got the knowledge that we are self directing, mm-hmm. and there's something comforting in that. In that, um, you know, maybe again, here I am romanticizing, feeling very romantic in this one. Um, but given the chance, maybe it could bring out the better angels of our nature. Yeah. As we we figure out how to make a machine culture work, we can see how we should actually make a human culture work. Right. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. Okay. We'll go with it. Let's put it into place. Hey, so let us know what you think. If you've uh, seen some uh, some cool examples of emergence intelligence in uh, the people around you, in the animals around you, or uh, or the, the company that you're a part of, or... Uh, or uh, or even in uh, machines and robots, let us know. That's uh, right. And if locusts start converging, don't worry. They're just they can't help it. That's what they do. Yeah, don't hate the individual locusts. It's uh, it's, uh you know, it's the mob mentality. That's right. So hey, I have a couple of uh, listener mail uh, items here to read. The first comes from uh, Lisa, and this was uh, left on our Facebook page. Um, she says, I like to listen to your podcast as I fall asleep, which is great. It helps me sleep. I listen to it again once I'm awake, while I learn the stuff while I'm asleep. The side effect to all this, really strange and scary dreams. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry about that. Which, uh, it'll happen. I um, I forget if I mentioned this, but when we were uh, researching uh, our podcast on uh, 
uh, the, the book Radioactive. Radioactive. Yeah. I was really reading that and researching it right before bed, and I had a whole bunch of crazy dreams with like atomic tests going on on a college campus, and it was it was kind of unsettling. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I haven't been able to access my dreams lately, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah, because yeah. it's just loaded with robots running wild. Yeah, robo nannies and uh, robot locusts. Cool. Uh, I have another. Uh, uh, this one's an email from our listener, Chris, and he says, I just want to tell you that there are several types of deafness. In your podcast, The Werewolf Principle, you stated that deaf people don't get motion sick. Uh, that would only be if they had neural deafness. Deafness. There are two basic types of deafness, neural and conductive. The neural deafness is when the cochlea uh, doesn't send the sounds to the brain because the cochlea isn't working or the cochlea is missing. Um, the conductive hearing loss is when the sound doesn't get to the cochlea. This occurs when the little bones in the ear, uh, malleus, incus, and states don't send the sound to the cochlea or the eardrum is missing. If you are going to make people deaf, uh, you would have, have to uh, do something to the cochlea or the malleus, incus, or stapes. Just wanted you to know. So that's All right. Cool. I should have maybe looked up the pronunciation on all those things before I <laughs> no. plowed through that uh, email. But uh, I, I felt like it, you were going Latin there. It was kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hey, if you have anything uh, to uh, uh, to let us know about, uh, you can drop by our Twitter or our Facebook account. We are Blow the Mind on both of those, and we keep that updated with all sorts of cool links to stuff going on in How Stuff Works and also uh, you know neat little news stories and mind-blowing tidbits from throughout the web. And you can always drop us a line at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.